From Manhattan Associates, welcome to Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn from leaders from around the world who are managing supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host today, James Canimash, and I'll be joined also by the Managing Director for Australia and New Zealand, Raghav Saibal. Before we start today's episode, I would like to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that we've adjusted our podcast series recently to look at the impacts and outcomes of COVID-19. As we focus on manufacturers, distributors and supply chains and how they will be affected in the short and longer terms, we'll be bringing you this shorter form snackable podcast. Today's episode is being delivered from home as we all adhere to the local lockdown measures in our countries, so please forgive any audio glitches. I think we can all appreciate from time to time, home Wi-Fi can be a bit temperamental. Raghav, welcome to the show today. It's absolutely great to have an Antipodean guest on Nucleus of Innovation. Thanks, James. Good to be here. Now, we met uh, down in Darling Harbour in Sydney back in early February. It seems a long time ago now. But in just two and a half short months, things have changed pretty drastically around the, the globe. Can you tell us a little bit about what life on lockdown in Australia and New Zealand looks like right now? Sure, James. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you that Darling Harbour doesn't look the same these days as it did when we met there. Um, But but I'll say that, you know, nobody could have really understood or gauged uh, what life would be in in, in a lockdown in Australia or in New Zealand. The the thing that really stands out uh, for me is that uh, one thing's happening is people are really getting getting used to um, you know accessing their teams their customers and working remotely and I think for the most part that's uh, working out okay I think our technologies have held up very well um, as far as Australia and New Zealand lockdowns are concerned I think there are slight differences New Zealand took a much harder approach. Um, then Australia, and they went to a stage four lockdown, which uh, pretty much um, kind of shut pretty much everything down other than very essential services, and you couldn't be out. Australia, on the other hand, has uh, you know kept uh, uh, the option open for people to go out and get a coffee from the local cafe or takeaway. The barbers are open. You can be out in groups of two doing exercises. So, so there's some relief there, but but you know obviously it's. Uh, somewhat of a new norm and and I think we've all adjusted pretty well to um, to kind of uh, make do with it and also continue to do work for our customers and business. What What's the impact that you're seeing COVID-19 have specifically on, on the retail industry in ANZ at the moment? Times must be tough. They are, no doubt. And, and I think um, no different than what we're seeing in, in the rest of the world. You know, the, the, most of the retailers, obviously, especially non-essential service providers and product providers are, are currently uh, shut down, or at least the brick and mortar stores. But what's happened is that um, you know, their sales for e-commerce have really gone through the roof. So uh, most of our retail customers, and, and generally speaking, retail across Australia and New Zealand are seeing a, a massive upsurge in e-commerce. And different retailers are adapting differently to this kind of changed environment with some of them, you know, repurposing their store inventory to fulfill orders from the stores. Uh, some of them are working multiple shifts out of their DCs and FCs. 
And and some of uh, our customers, in fact, have come up with pop-up DCs to uh, meet the demand of e-commerce. But, you know, suffice to say, uh, a number of retail operations, especially in specialty retail, have had to stand down majority of their workforce, especially their retail store-related workforce, which is quite hard and painful. And and, and obviously, we're seeing the impacts of that on the economy and will continue to feel that as we come out on the other end. Yeah, well, it's a similar situation here in the UK. And I think our friends in, in the States have maybe got it even harder at the moment. So let's hope for a, a swift resolution. Um, I, I saw very recently that the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern lifted many of these uh, restrictions that were in place. So let, let's hope that we can we can all get to that that point soon. How um how how are supply chain models in ANZ faring under the pressure of COVID at the moment? In in the UK and parts of Europe, we've uh, we've experienced certainly at the beginning of the crisis quite a lot of panic buying. Do you know? Uh, have you got any funny, interesting anecdotes about lockdown in in ANZ? I'm guessing Coles and and Woolies didn't sell out of Vegemite and Milo. <laughs> Yeah, no, those those one the the products um, uh, that were on the list they definitely were. I, they they did sell out actually on a number of items. So I think that panic buy situation existed here as well, almost similar. I still can't get my head around why everybody was rushing to buy toilet paper and 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 pastas and canned foods. But but look, the supply chain was stressed. I think the um, the demand planners were scratching their head on how to how to get through the situation. We've got customers, uh, pharmaceutical customers, who just saw such a surge of, uh, of demand that uh, it really stressed them, not just their supply chains, but, but also uh, their vendors and suppliers to get the product sourced. Um, but, but, you know, over time, I think um, everyone came up with, with creative, creative solutions. It took some time for the retail shelves to replenish back to existing levels. But, but I can tell you now, if I go to my, uh, my neighborhood store, uh, they've got piles of toilet paper sitting, not just in the shelves, but they've created center space in the, in the store to, to stock it. So, so that's just one example where they've uh, really overcome that initial situation. And also, I think people have adjusted back to a more normal uh, buying pattern. But, but, you know, where um, this has really exposed some of the things that supply chains were not ready for are around how do you take um, a current just-in-time type supply chain model, especially in grocery and supermarket, and, and stress it across certain, especially certain product lines, and, and try and um, manage that. So, so I mentioned to you, like Coles put up some pop-up DCs and they brought a lot of product in them and that created more points of distribution. Woolies, in fact, has done something even more creative where they, uh, they started to build up some pre-packaged uh, kits of you know, essential grocery items and they uh, outsourced that to DHL, also a Manhattan customer, that uh, then was able to uh, distribute them in a very uh, kind of real time in a flexible manner and, and get it out to their customers. One other thing, you know, Australia put in place uh, and it was not absolutely strict from a legal standpoint, but they had a very strong guidance for people above the age of 70 to stay indoors. And that made it very difficult for those, uh, you know, aged people who couldn't go out and even do their grocery shopping 
uh, that these kinds of kits were made available and delivered to their homes. And uh, that could happen through a you know combination of Woolworths and DHL supply chain kind of stepping together. That's that's it. that's an interesting and a really positive story to hear. There, I think for all the pain and all the challenges that coronavirus has has posed globally, it has it has also really sort of shown the the best side of not just human beings but also organisations as well. So great to hear that Coles and uh, and Woolies is stepping up to the the task there. A, n- a number of business models have been fundamentally transformed as a as a result of COVID-19, certainly in the UK. If we just take a look at your example that you mentioned briefly about retail and the shift to e-commerce, do you think that, or I should say maybe, what do you think business as usual in ANZ is going to look like post-coronavirus? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, uh, James. I think there are going to be a couple of uh, shifts in the in the business um, retail retail business. So, one is that you know people obviously, as as we've spoken about, are buying online, and and all of the the buying right now is happening online. A majority of it in New Zealand, in Australia, some of the retail chains are still open and operational, like JB Hi-Fi Buy has JB Hi-Fi has their stores still open, so people can walk in and pick up a a toaster um but but people will continue to buy more and more online even after you know we get through the situation so we we expect that online sales will continue to uh uh to show that you know that that growth or, or additional orders will go to that channel uh i i think the new norm would also be that the stores will play a bigger part uh in the overall retail operation, especially from a fulfillment standpoint. So um, in this current situation, as we've spoken about, a lot of the retail organizations are making use of the inventory that they have in stores and using them as points of fulfillment. So the need for technology and tools to help them uh, deliver those uh, orders or fulfill those orders from the stores in an efficient manner would become uh, part of their overall strategy. I, I also believe, I think initially there will be a bit of, you know, there's some pent up desire to go out and, and engage with uh, other people and be in retail stores. So I think initially there will be uh, a bit of, uh, you know, surge in the footfall and some of the um, analysis is, is saying that as well. But uh, I think overall for the long term, we'll see that e-commerce, shift to e-commerce will get further uh, enhanced or that growth rate will increase. Um, the overall uh, omni-channel model will have store as a more important point of fulfillment in the network. And uh, and the brick and mortar stores will continue to play an important role in the retail operation. Well, you heard it here. That there's there's Raghav's prediction. We'll, we'll hold him to that next year. <laughs> Recently, TechCrunch reported that that they are seeing COVID-19 as, as a catalyst for the next wave of, of Google um, and, and similar innovative companies. At the moment, are you seeing any new startups, um, any new areas of business appearing to fill those gaps caused by COVID? Or do you think that maybe we're a little bit away from that just yet? Um, I, I think uh, I think there is. There's a, there's a lot going on. Um, a number of companies and a number of entrepreneurs are kind of looking at this as a as a kind of wartime scenario 
and thinking outside the box of how they can either repurpose, um, you know, their current operations, whether it's manufacturing or a, a startup even to focus more on, you know, providing any kind of service or support related to uh, combating the pandemic. Um, I, I've got a couple of examples, actually, I'll share with you. So, you know, the, the obvious ones that are happening and we, we hear so much about is just uh, companies kind of switching gears in, in manufacturing say, ventilators or using 3D printing technology to come up with such things uh, or, you know, face masks, kits, etc. Um, the one that really stood out uh, to me was it was a, a startup in, in Australia, in fact, that um, was... Uh, was putting together some tracking devices in aged care facilities with, with you know, a, a close eye to making sure not violating any privacy regulation to see if somebody's fallen over or gone inactive and be able to trace that and track that and provide help. Now, this company in the current situation has really switched gears and they've just developed a, a shoebox size a device that sits on a tripod and within a second can take uh, the temperature, body temperature of a person from a distance. And uh, they've already got orders from governments in Southeast Asia. And, and, and I think this is a great idea because, as we know, coming out of this uh, situation, there'll be much more screening going on at airports, at, at hotels, during check-in or offices, even office buildings. So, um, this was one that really, you know, stood out for me that someone re- really switched gears. They're in a startup mode and uh, they they are manufacturing these devices from home and the, the founder along with their family involved in an extended circle are doing that while maintaining social distancing. That's great. Well, I mean, what a what a story. The Aussies are, are known for, for their grit and their determination, their ingenuity. Um, and that is that that's a perfect example right there. So I guess we watch the space. And my last question for you, Regav, um, maybe this is the most complicated one. I, I'm not sure. But what do you see next for supply chains in ANZ when the coronavirus outbreak has has uh, has passed? Yeah, I think the, the two or three key things I would mention, I think there's going to be a fair bit of uh, change we'll see. But two or three key things I would say are, you know, supply chains would absolutely need more flexibility in them, right? Um, This is more broadly speaking. I think we had just spent the last so many years in supply chains and companies had invested in the whole just-in-time model. They're going to have to see that that's all well and good and and the push will still be to minimize uh, the inventory levels across the network, but also create a, a level of flexibility. So, you know, as demand signals change or as demand signals, um, you know, spike up or contract, how can they repurpose their supply chain or, or leverage the flexibility uh, to to switch gears? You know, there are multiple examples that I can tell you where in current situation, companies are having to do that some more easily than others. But going forward, I think everybody's going to think about that. Um, now, more specifically from a and, and technology would enable all of that. So um, I think uh, companies would look to create, uh, you know, opportunities where they can, you know, f- be more flexible in how they forecast their their demand. Uh, you know, the seasonality elements will be 
uh, more uh, necessary to factor in. And they'll rely on advanced algorithms and AI to determine how to how to manage all of that. And and we've talked about you know on the on the retail and omni-channel side, uh, just kind of making sure that one is looking at their entire network of stores and DCs as points of fulfillment, so they can you know be flexible enough to leverage every unit of a SKU uh, within the network um, when an order comes in, and make sure that doing it in a in an efficient manner. So. There's a number of things. I think on the warehousing side, we've seen examples here and, and globally where companies have really taken a, a retail replenishment operation and um, adapted and, and converted it into direct-to-consumer operation without having to you know, put in automation or relay out the warehouse, which used to be the case previously. Um, so, so that flexibility in the warehouse management system enables companies to be able to do that. So we'll see more and more of that coming in where companies are going to look at, hey, I want a multi-channel fulfillment operation where I can you know, switch from a, a primarily retail replenishment flow to a direct-to-consumer flow and do that fairly or relatively painlessly. Okay, well, that's um, that, that's some great intel. Um, as as with all these things, we will have to wait and see. But you're the best place to uh, to certainly inform us on that. We'll be in touch for another podcast. I have a feeling. And that's a wrap for today. I'd like to thank our guest Raghav Sibyl from our Sydney office, and also to thank you, our listeners. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to drop us a like on iTunes. And if you'd like to take part in future episodes do send us a DM via our Twitter handle with a suggested topic. That Twitter handle that you'll need is at News. Until next time, it's good day from Raghav. Good day. And it's a goodbye from me. Thanks and goodbye.